Hey firecrackers, it's Naomi and welcome to the firecracker department. Okay, um, April, bring it on. Hiya April, what's going on in your world? Here's, here's my jam these days. So I'm definitely getting grubby and doing some serious leaf raking. That's my, that's my jam and then I'm burning them, which is so satisfying. Uh, the other thing I'm doing is connecting with some old friends and, um, you know, doing some online hangouts that isn't about meetings, it's about just friendship. And I have to tell you, I don't know what your family situation is, but um, I'm one of two siblings. So at this point, it's just me and my brother. And then my husband's got just one brother and his family left. So our family um, bucket is not overflowing. <laughs> I've got this amazing family in England that are just so dear to me. The dynamics has definitely shifted. And I've always been such a fan of making your own families. So wherever Matt and I go, we sort of build our community and make our families. We find our sisters and our brothers, our aunts, our uncles, whoever we need to sort of build our family where we are. So this is a bit of a, I don't know, a shout out to my chosen family. There's folks that, um, you know, we live together. My friends Mike, Dove, and Naomi. I know, another Naomi, we live together. How crazy is that? Uh, those are my family. And I know through thick and thin, they would be there for me and they know for sure I'd be there for them in a heartbeat. Uh, that's my chosen family. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty lucky that I get to have people like that in my life that call me out of the blue just to check in on me, that send me cute little cards that just are present for me. And of course, I have my firecracker family that are my siblings. Oh my gosh, what would I do without them in the world? They're incredible people for the firecracker community, and then they're incredible people for me and Naomi's heart. They add so much joy. I'm hitting my chest where my heart is. That's, it really makes my world so good. On my birthday this year, which wasn't the easiest birthday to get through, they all like rallied around and made a video for me and did a, a Zoom chat, surprise Zoom chat for me. And uh, they show up. You know, they show up when I need them in a text, whether it's for firecracker stuff or whether it's just, I need to chat and um, mm, boy, my life, uh, my life is better for it. Yeah. Who's your family and who's your chosen family? Hashtag firecracker family. Let me know, let me know what you got going on in your world and how you keep your family bucket overflowing and full of love. Okay, our guest on the show this week is actor Enid Ray Adams. Enid Ray, oh, I just love her so much. I've known Enid Ray for a hundred years when we met through Vancouver Theatre Sports. And uh, Enid Ray has been working in the industry for over 30 years, most recently in You, Me, Her, which you can find on Netflix or Crave, and Hospital Show on YouTube. In Hospital Show, she plays Carol Ann, a horny actor who plays a doctor on TV. Enid Ray is just easily one of the funniest people I know, and that show is just fantastic. It's, it's just a great ensemble. It's a comedic 10-part web series about the self-described, broken, deluded, narcissistic, addicted, and lovable actors who play TV's most respected doctors. Think, um, think like Unreal meets Grey's Anatomy. Enid Ray has appeared on Arrow, Lucifer, Riverdale, Van Helsing, so many, so many shows. Her film career includes major films like Good Boys, A Guy Thing, Final Destination 2. She is a steady working actor and she deserves it because she's, she's amazingly talented. 
She's worked in film, TV, commercials, all of it. She can do anything. And I just had such a great time chatting with this firecracker. And uh, I have to say, this is one of the last few recordings from like the before times. So this episode was recorded in person as well. Get a load of that. And it gets, it gets pretty loud. I'm not gonna lie. It gets pretty loud near the end of the interview. I was at the Whistler Film Festival. And when I found out Enid Ray was also gonna be there, I was like, oh man, I gotta grab you for an interview. And so we did, and we found this corner. It was comical. We found this corner and I was like, okay, we've got this quiet little corner. And uh, it's in a really good time because all the people are watching films. And then in the middle of nowhere, the doors just fly open and this huge crowd of people come. It was, it was pretty hilarious, but um, I loved our conversation so much that I was like, oh, we're just gonna battle through the sound. And I hope you will too. Okay, I'm thrilled that I can finally share this gem with you. And uh, if you're not a fan of Enid Ray's, you will be by the end of this chat. Here it is, my chat with Enid Ray Adams. I was thinking about when <laughs> we first met. 100 years ago. Do you think it was through Vancouver Theatre Sports? I I think it was. I I think I, it was. I, I remember think we were in the same class for a chunk. Yeah, I, I was not very good at it. It was not my strong suit. Okay, so I you're said wrong. You're actually wrong. And I want to tell you what I remember oh, about you. I enjoy coming on a podcast okay. and being told I'm wrong. It's the best. Yeah, yeah, you're wrong about <laughs> not thinking you're very good. Because I remember being in awe of you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Because you were, fuck, you were so ballsy. Do, do you remember just having uh, that, like, I mean, I think I you're think quite I, ballsy I, still, but. I am quite ballsy. I just had no understanding of how the fudge to do theater sports. That sometimes works best. To uh, not, not I know what you're it, doing. I think I blacked it all out. What do you think you're, like, in, in retrospect, who do you think that Enid Ray was? Oh, gosh. What year? Give me the year. and I'll I'm going to say 2000. Deeply thirsty. Deeply sure. needy. Oh, no, thirsty as in oh. uh, needy and thirsty. Thirsty is just a word I use to describe my, oh my tribe. God. You, you millennial, you. <laughs> <laughs> I learned from the youngins. Yeah. Uh, okay, so at that time. Who do you time, think that was? That honest, Honestly, you want to go deep? Okay. Okay. Uh, my mom had just died. In the very, two, in 2000? In June of 2000. Very suddenly. And honestly, the time that I uh, probably met you, I think like it was around that time. I think it was we met before two thousand, so yeah, it was just so I was leading yeah. up. So I was getting, I was trying to break into the theater scene in Vancouver at the time because I moved to Vancouver in ninety eight, right? And so I think we met maybe around ninety nine somewhere. Around I think there. that's accurate. We I tried my hat, my hand, my, not my hat. I left my well, hat at home. You threw your head in and you put yeah, your I hand my hat in, in the ring. Well. Yeah, and I uh, got a lot of fingers and pies balls in the air. And so one of them was theater sports. I wanted to yeah. learn how to improvise. And so I was really leaning into a whole bunch of things that I didn't really know how to do and trying it in a new community where it was exceedingly difficult to get an agent at yeah. that time. Um, so I, hard. I couldn't even get past general auditions oh in God. the theater scene. Yes. Um, and, oh, uh, wasn't everybody at the time going, oh my God, everybody's working in Vancouver. Everybody kept telling me everybody was working in Vancouver. Yeah, don't you love and that? And then I was like, I can't even get an agent. Yeah, it, it was, was so the, frustrating. It was the real in-person version of what social media is now. Yeah, right. Which <laughs> is straight live. up horseshit, yeah, right? It yeah, so, uh, it was live Facebook. That's exactly what it was. And so um, uh, I... Yeah, I remember meeting great people around that time. You, I worked with Jason Bryden, who was a mutual yes, friend, yes, who is, yes. uh, still remains one of my favorite people on oh the planet. God, Although so I 
see him maybe once every 10 years. He's just amazingly talented. He's just, uh, I just adore him. Uh, Liz Bowen, one of the funniest humans on the planet Earth. Yes, yes. Michael Tegan, like all of these wonderful people. And uh, and then my, so I'm I'm getting my my sea legs a little bit. And then my mom died. And that changes everything. She was so young. And it was such a shock. She must have been. She was 44. Oh my God. I was, I was 26 years old at the time. My, my, uh, oh my, my brother was 24. My sister was 14. It was a shock. So that changed everything. Was, was she ill? No, she just had a brain aneurysm. Oh, man. Came from out of nowhere. I know. Had a few eyesight issues in the weeks leading up and then took a tumble down the stairs as a result. Right. Mm-hmm. But really, truly, but I didn't live in Calgary at the time. So you weren't like so on her. I wasn't. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't aware. But I did get to see her a couple days before she died. Uh, thank goodness. But oh my goodness, all these years later, and I look back at that that wee young sprite yeah. of, a, of a person emerging into adulthood in mid twenties that I yeah. was. And you know, the, the thing is, as as we age, we look to our friends who are either experiencing that very thing right now, mm-hmm. the loss of a parent, mm-hmm. or uh, you know, who maybe had experienced that unfortunate loss too soon at a very young age we all no matter what we do for a living go through these experiences in life that bind us mm-hmm. connect us mm-hmm. together huh well i mean that kind of thing as you said it changes you yeah. Can, do you remember like how, like how did you negotiate your your dreams after that oh dude because i think you were one of the most driven person like i remember meeting you and i was like oh man she's got yeah, the vision I, like i, I was remember driven. you were like i'm gonna do stand up i'm gonna do this yeah. and i was like I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. I didn't know what I was FYI, doing. FYI, uh, to those listening, I did try stand-up, and I discovered I was much funnier in the privacy of my own home. Well, I will tell you, it was not for me. It was, I marvel at the people who I stayed marvel. with it. It is, it is an art and a skill set yeah. that kicks you in the tuchus 1,000 ways to Sunday. It's I crazy. remember JB and I talking about stand-up, and you were like, do you want to try stand-up? And we were like kind of nervous, and I thought maybe we would just be those kind of friends that always talked about it but never did it and just was nervous about it. And then he went on and yeah, did, he did it. it. And he, he did, did it well. Yeah. And I, I think I've done it a couple of times, but it's not yeah, it's really, my jam. It's really not my jam. It's, uh, but how did you negotiate like that? Because you're such a driven person and then full-on sideswiped yeah. by the loss of your mom that I'm sure was like a huge part of your life. It's crazy. Yeah, it, it changed everything. Yeah. So there was life before her death and yeah. life after. And so what happened was... Um, Honestly, I'd spent nearly two years just trying to find an agent. Right. I got an agent, didn't book anything, was having a really difficult time getting in the room. And then she died, and I had to figure out, well, what was going to happen to my teenage sister? And and wow. then navigating my own grief. And I lived on, like, I didn't live with my siblings. Yeah. I was in Vancouver. They were in Calgary and, and Winnipeg. Yeah. And um, so I, I was waitressing at the time. And honestly, I was... I was not a, I was a good server before yeah. my mom died and then she died and then people would, people would be like, can you just pass the salt? And I'd be like, here, you want your salt? Poof, bang. And I would just become irate yeah. with the, and I would get in their faces. Do you need your yeah. salt? Is that what you, can I get you anything else? Yeah. I was an a-hole. And I remember my boss at the time, I, I worked at the Sunshine Diner and he, um, he, he was so compassionate and he said, listen, I, I know it, it's really hard, but you can't yell at the customers. <laughs> And it was like, like, maybe this yeah. is the right place for so, me. No, I saw. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So honestly, talking about dreams, a yeah. dream for one's life, I had a dream. Sure. Uh, one night where I was in my bedroom 
and in my dream, which is not my actual bedroom at, at the time, but in my dream, I'm in my bedroom and I have bunk beds. And suddenly all this water is in my room on the floor and it's rising up. And I look out and the water was coming from the kitchen of the restaurant that I had been working at in real life. And the water in my dream was flooding that place where I was trying to rest and recharge. Okay, so then the next part of my dream, uh, it's clear to me then that I have to quit. Mm -hmm. The next part of my dream is I walk down the hall uh, and I open a door and my mom is sitting there in all dressed in white, ethereal on the bed, like surrounded by wrapping paper, but it's all white. Now, sidebar to this part of the dream, when my mom lived, uh, she notoriously left all her Christmas wrapping until the last minute mm -hmm. when we were kids. And then we were supposed to go to church. I'm not a religious person. However, it was like a big tradition for us at the time. We'd go to Christmas Eve service. But because my mother left her wrapping until the last possible minute and she sequestered herself in her bedroom mm -hmm. on her bed, mm -hmm. she would become very upset because she wasn't ready. Right. And, and as a result, just a whole delightful, delicious stream of swear words that I'd never heard in my life yeah. before. And, and, and not since those days, those Christmas Eve days, like I can't even say them here. They're so blue. They're, they're just, they were creative. Yeah. I thought it was a real mark of her genius yeah. to come up with yeah. that level of profanity, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, which, which is how I associate the holidays. Oh <laughs> I really, God. with swearing, women swearing, yeah. a mother swearing. So anyway. It's like Thanksgiving isn't Thanksgiving with tears. No, that, without, without tears, tears yeah, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. uh, tears of a clown. So basically, or your racist uncle, whoever it is, or you as a result of your racist sure, uncle. Sure. But the tears are there. Mm -hmm. So anyway, back in this dream, there's my mom sitting there on the bed like she did in real life. Only this time, she's got her beautiful little reading glasses on and she's got she's cradling a uh, phone. Um, very much like she looked when I was a very small child there's a picture of her looking up at the camera cradling a phone and that's how she appeared to me in my dream and she was carrying this list this paper right and she didn't talk to me in my dream but she was communicating to me and I said mom uh, I think they dumped the the mop bucket in the kitchen and it came into my room and she looked down at her list at the first item and I couldn't see this list but then she looked up at me and I knew what she was telling me was I had to quit my job and, I was, and then once I understood that, she checked it off. Then this woman goes through a list on, on paper filled with things that she wanted me to do in order to become a working actor, okay? Because at that time, I was just a hot mess. I had no drive anymore. I had no... I've never heard anything like this. It's crazy what happens next. I can't even tell you. Well, you're going to. I'm going to. Well, that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah, you, yeah. You've bossed me into sure. it. Okay. I can't. What am I not going to so, tell you? Okay. So anyway, story. she's looking at the list, tells me to quit my job, right? Um, the next item on the list, get a fax machine. Because back then, that's how we got okay. our sides. But you're right. That's <laughs> like you're starting a business. Get, get yourself Get a fax up. machine. Join the union. Get headshots meet with your agent, all of these pragmatic yeah. things. And but that's because your brain was like, I couldn't, you couldn't get the pragmatic list. Absolutely. Oh, wow. And then at the end of this list, when she understood that I understood what she was telling me, the instructions that she was providing me, the information she provided me next was when I did all of these things, uh, I would, I, a role would come along and it would launch my career and I would know it when I saw it. Okay. And I woke up and I was like, okay. All How right. long between the time that, that she was passed about, away and that was about that a month and a half? Okay, a month and a half after she 
And had you died. seen her at all between that time? I hadn't seen her. Uh, I felt her. Like... I, I did feel her. Yeah. I did feel One time I was sitting, before I had this dream, I was sitting in my chair just in a daze, all alone, right, in Vancouver. And um, I thought it, I heard her say my name so clearly that I turned to the left, certain that I would see mm, her there. I've had it, that. it wasn't inside my head. It was, yeah. it was really shocking. So, so I have this dream where she gives me these instructions, tells me to do all these things. And, um, and uh, you know, I, I do them all in the course of a couple of months or so. And nothing happened, and I, I was getting really anxious and, I, and antsy, and I thought, well, I did all these things, Mom, and where's this role? And um, then I get a call from my agent, and I get an audition uh, for the next day for a, a series at the time called Da Vinci's Inquest. Um, I believe it was this third season, and it was a guest-starring role. And uh, so what, where do I go? to my fax machine yeah. that I bought because my mom told me to. Dust it off. And I pull out my sides, and you know what the character is? A woman whose mom had just died very suddenly. And I, just, me, I couldn't uh, believe it, dude. I, I, I knew exactly what that role was. I have never in my life looked at sides and said I'm going to book this part ever, except that one time. And I went in, no makeup, just did the, did the scene. I went in for a pre-screening. Um, and uh, then I went in for a callback, and I booked the job, and it was the first job I ever booked in television in Vancouver after struggling for like two years. Wow. And uh, it launched my entire career. Wow. Couldn't believe it. So how did this, that's incredible. What a gift your mom is. Continues to be, right? Yeah, like absolutely. That, I can't, that kind of um, voice it stays with you, you know? And it comes back. She, like, I don't, experience a connection with her very often anymore because it's been almost it's been 19 and a half years since she died right um but i have had so many dreams of her and you know what who knows what it is is it otherworldly is it my own inner wisdom my subconscious it doesn't really matter to me because the feeling i get from it is so meaningful mm -hmm. the connection to my mom who's no longer alive and um you know i really i appreciate it very much and and there are times when I just feel like, ah, you know, is there something beyond what we're experiencing here? Because there are things that happen that are just so beautifully shocking, mm. you know, like, uh, a f so she died at the age of 44. Yeah. Okay. Before I, the year I was about to turn 44, um, was not a very good year. Uh, in my career. So I'd had, right. you know, as most actors do, you have your ups and downs, sure. you work a lot, and then you're like, holy crap, am I ever going to work again? And and so I was at a time when I maybe had had, I don't know, five days on set or something. And, yeah. you know, my husband and I have two kids, and we need to be, we need for me to be working uh, in order to help provide for this family yeah. as we live in one of the most expensive cities in the world, it's right? It's nuts, yeah. So, and those boys need things. Yes, exactly. Like they have, like, yeah. like food. Yeah, yeah, you know, sometimes they need water and Ugh, they're demanding shit. it's yeah. crazy i okay. mean i'm gonna have a word with him later, yeah but, obviously um so anyway uh right in the middle of all of this where i'm thinking i need to retire because mm -hmm. i mm -hmm. like what I, else I need I to find a different career <clears throat> yeah uh we get rent evicted what? <laughs> like the place where we've been yeah. renting for over a decade the owner uh called us up and said 
oh we're God. selling the place. Now, dude, do you have time for another dream? Because yeah. right before I got that call, I had another dream. No. I had a dream that my husband and my two boys and I were sitting around in our brand new dining room, in our brand new place, and it was just fabulous. Now, at the time, we kind of lived in a dump, right? Mm -hmm. And we were happy to have it because it was really a great location and super affordable rent. Uh, I go to bed and I have this wonderful dream and I wake up and I'm like, oh my golly, am I going to win the lottery? Like, you know, who, who's yeah. moving me to new new digs that are so sweet? And, um, and I just felt, oh, that was a good feeling. And then for the first time in 10 years, my landlord, who has never called me before, called me to let me know he was selling the place. Wow. Now, I might have gone into full-on um, skid marks in my sure. pantalones yeah. if I hadn't had that dream, uh, because that dream yeah. sort of prepared me to say, oh, because the other the other thing is I, I had sort of meditated that morning. And, God, I sound like a fucking wingnut, no, but you want to know something? No, keep I'm going to keep, keep going. Yeah, I'm going to keep going. But I do you sound don't, like a wingnut. You don't, because you have this fantastically beautiful dichotomy of this, which yeah. is a woman wearing a sweater that says fa la 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 lama. And then this, this has dreams where her mother comes back and speaks to her. Like it's this fantastic, but it's totally oh real. Like I feel like I'm going to get person. like a Kevin Costner field of dreams, a line of cars driving up to my house. Anyway. I, I'm not psychic or anything like that. No, I just have dreams. Have a, that, you yeah. have a connection. Yeah, like, yeah, but why not just accept it? Why not? I, I but it's it's like, it is. My, I have this discussion with my husband sometimes because we, because he's had a lot of death in his life, yeah, and so we sometimes have the talk of like, let's just agree on the afterlife. Like, why not? Let's just agree on it. If it brings it. you comfort. Yeah, it brings me so much I, comfort. You want to know something, dude? I think you could believe in a bottle of mustard if it brought you peace. <laughs> that is my philosophy. I agree, and it's not going to hurt anybody. No. It's not like if you're, you're going up to people and saying you can't get married to the person you love because I believe in mustard. this mustard. Yeah, that's, that's a problem. A problem. <laughs> 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 but if we're like. I don't know. Like, I just want to believe in something yeah, yeah, yeah. that gives me that That makes confidence. you feel good. Yeah. I want to hear the rest okay, of the so, so moving uh, story. So then, okay, so then I, I meditate. I have this dream. We're in this fa fabulous new dining space. It's amazing. We love the home. It's such a great feeling. I meditate that morning, and I'm like, this this voice comes to me, not not one outside my head or anything, but this this statement came to me, which is probably my own not wisdom or whatever, subconscious, and it just said, get ready. And I was like, okay, seriously, I'm going to win the lottery because I'm dreaming of a new home and I'm get meditating ready. and it's like, get ready. Then my landlord calls and says, you're right evicted, suck up. And not get ready those, for that. Yeah, no, not in those words, but that's what it felt like. Yeah. And, uh, and I really was like. That must have floored you. It floored me in a way. Because it was I, also the 44th. Uh, the 44th year yes coming, coming but I didn't know that then. oh you had to put those I, together I, I wasn't that was still about three months away okay. before that happened um, so I'm just sitting here uh, and then everything it felt to me bottomed out the bottom course, fell out from under me so I then um, I, I lose that feeling of confidence that I had from that wonderful dream and the meditation although I would try and remind myself of it like just don't shit the bed you're going to be okay you're going to be okay but then it's clear to me I have to retire, dude. Like, and, and what am I going to yeah. do? I have no idea, but I'm open to a new career. I've got to find something else to do with my life. And uh, I'm looking for anywhere within the vicinity uh, to rent. And, and it has tripled in oh price for Awful. a tiny amount of space. Yeah. And, and we were not... Like, we were not under the poverty level. Like, we were what, what some might consider mid-income level. Comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And some months not really comfortable, sure. depending on whether or not it worked. But yeah. uh, certainly, 
certainly what they were charging in rent would have been most of our overhead yeah. because that was just the reality. Of so then you're the either market. moving or you're regrouping and changing your careers. It, exactly. And I, honest to God, could not find anywhere we could we could move to. Yeah. And I, um, I... How old were your kids at the time? This was about two years ago, so around 10 and, and Right, so school systems too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So anyway, it was just bananas. And then uh, I remember sitting in... Um, uh, a Save on Foods parking lot, and it was pouring rain. I mean, this was a scene out of a movie. It was so ridiculous. But I was sitting there, and I got my paltry little bag of groceries, and I'm sitting there thinking how there is absolutely nowhere that we can move our family, that we can afford to live. And I just started sobbing. Yeah. It like just felt like a total yeah. failure. And two years before, I'd been shooting a commercial for a Save on Foods in a Save on Foods parking lot, right. driving a friggin' forklift, if you don't mind. Right. You know, like the idiocy of my life yeah. and career. And yeah. it, it, it's just, it's really, really quite astonishing. But just to recognize also, you know, you probably could gaze over to the woman sitting in the yeah. car next to you and she was also bawling. Like that's like... Doctors and lawyers you know, cannot afford to live in Vancouver. Yeah, it's a really, no, really but It's ridiculous. And, and I often hear from people who work in all different kinds of fields just how just how much how much shame they feel in a city that sets people up to fail you're right I didn't even think of it like that like I just think it's part of the journey but you're right like you kind of go I should be able to afford like a nice place I work hard yes absolutely but you know it's it's really gotten out of hand and and people uh everywhere are experiencing it and uh so at the at the time when we first found out that they were selling the place, um, they had the new owners come through. He was very nice. Brought an architect, you know, talking about how they're going to rip this down and all that. And I was like, dude, give it to me straight. You know, uh, how, how much longer do we have? Yeah. I was like, well, I'm going to apply for permits in three weeks. So maybe you have six months to ten months. Um, now at the so I'm, I'm, it's really just so incredibly stressful, right? Of course, yeah. And I had put feelers out. We applied to co-ops. We just did everything. And um, now, incidentally, that place is still there. We could have stayed there this whole time. No way. I don't know what happened, but yeah. we were told we had like a sliver of time and then, and yeah. you're out. Uh, but I don't know what happened to their permit process huh. or whatever. But at the time, most of, like three quarters of us who lived in the in the building moved right. um and it was absolutely one of the scariest times but here's where things get a little bit beautiful um because pain doesn't and, and fear and terror and stress in these very real times that you know we're just trying to figure out where we're going to live that doesn't feel beautiful right um but initially when we first found out they were selling we asked everyone to keep their eyes peeled and a friend of mine uh has a friend who lives in a co-op and they said no sorry there's no availability and then uh just before i turned 44 uh i got an email from the president of that co-op saying i understand you and your family are looking for uh, a three-bedroom townhome and i and would you like to come in and apply and i almost fell off the chair mm-hmm. apparently a unit had opened up and my friend made it happen Fast but didn't get, didn't get a chance to to let me know uh, because it all happened so quickly. And other people were applying as well, right? Um, and, and the thing about co-ops is that there's usually a two to three year wait list mm-hmm. and you don't move into a three bedroom townhome. No. Because other people within the co-op often have an opportunity to move in. And as it happened in this particular situation, the people who were moving out moved to the Yukon, and nobody else in the co-op wanted to take their space. They were quite happy with where they were. 
So unbelievably, uh, they sent out a request to a couple people to apply. And on my 44th birthday, I got the call to come in and take a look at the unit. Oh my gosh. And it felt to me that it was just like my mom was somehow on the other side of this thing. Because the other part that I haven't really shared is, you know, when you lose a parent that young, at such a young age, you kind of have that irrational part of you that 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 is concerned you might die at that age. And right, so I, I was leaning no. up to that in all of this stress of not knowing where I was going to live and just thinking to myself, please don't let me die at 44. Like, I've got these little kids and I, I love my husband. I want to be around and I want to raise these boys. And, and I want this to be the beginning of the second half of a magnificent life. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when I got the call that that my living circumstances were going to work out, dude, I felt like I won the lottery. Mm-hmm, of I course. Really did. And I, I really wish that feeling of security for everybody. Oh, God. Um, but it really was the beginning of... A couple of years of very clear demonstrations that that things were starting to work out a little bit yeah and um, and it really helped me to have a faith in something that I can't describe really that I didn't have before so why don't you think like the faith that you're talking about is something like the faith that it'll it'll be okay. Yes, that's you know? exactly like, it. Yeah. I, know, I remember talking to my friend about this and when she started having kids, I'm like, how are you not constantly going, oh my God, are you okay? Are you, the kids okay? Like I'd yeah. constantly be worried about their safety. And she said, I know that I can't be certain about what's going to happen to them, but I uh, I know I can be certain about how I can live through it and I'll, yeah. I'll be okay. Yeah. Which to different degrees, like there's yeah. different traumas that we all deal with yeah. that we survive in different capacities. But dealing with grief in your capacity, you kind of go, well, that happened when you were in your 20s. Yeah. So that taught you, you can get through shit. Yeah. Yeah, it really, and some lessons, I I mean, some lessons you learn and you don't even know you learned them, mm. right? Like mm-hmm. it's not even until you have that power of uh, hindsight. Yeah. The, the ability to look back and have a tremendous amount of appreciation for the life you've lived. Did that put your career sort of in a place of like reality, <laughs> Do you know, like... Yeah, because like living with grief, because um, I think you're con- you always live with it. It's just living around it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it has to change your priorities. Oh yeah, it honestly like I just I remember in early days after she after my mom died, I uh, I just didn't give a shit. Yeah. About anything. Yeah. I I just was like, is my sister gonna be okay? Am I gonna be okay? What happened? Did she move with you? What happened to she, your sister? No, she moved in with my mom's best friend and her family. Okay. Um, although I did offer, and uh, there was discussion around the time where my mom's best friend Terry, um, who's still in our lives, I love her so much, and uh, she just said, you know what, you're you're still really young, go live your life. Oh wow. And and Joey doesn't. My sister doesn't need to move to Cal- to Vancouver. She can continue to live in Calgary. We'll take care of her. And like there were just so many angels in yeah. my life at that time yeah. and in my family's life that that you know. The, the kindness that they showed, I'll tell you, you know, I, I sit here and in many ways the world feels overwhelming in, uh-huh. its, in its atrocity. And the one thing that can really just pull me through any of that with the force of this gorgeous, beautiful, light-filled energy is kindness. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
It, I mean, sadly, it's the only phrase that I have, but it trumps it all, right? Yeah. That motherfucker can kiss my grits. Yeah, but it does. Yeah. Like, I feel like why, we can be kind. Like, yeah. I get... I, I love that we, we said mis- we can be kind, and then I said that motherfucker can kiss me grits. But he I'm really can. It's a hard he's, balance. He's really one. not kind. I tried. When he first got elected, I was like, I'm going to like put like some love out there. <laughs> I was like, because uh, we were living in we're living in the States, right? So we, Oh, are, do you live in the States? Yeah. I thought you were in Toronto no, this whole time. I live in Los Angeles. I, oh, and are you still there? Yeah. Oh, God. So I want to know, how elected, is that? I instinctually went, oh, no. And then I was like... I bet he's like I put good goodness out there like yeah, I kept, and yeah, then yeah, it yeah, kept yeah. slapping me in the face. I'm like, <gasps> no, I actually just don't like this human being. Yeah, he's terrible, and he is one element of a whole bunch of terrible. But to get away from him because I don't want to give yeah. him any. Let's not time. But like that's like this kind of discussion will rise above it. Mm-hmm. Do you know mm-hmm. like and when you talk about like going through something like that, like people will listen to this and be like, thank you because that'll. Show me a path. Yeah. Like we gotta show each other paths through this because we're we're all we each other have. Yeah, and absolutely. as you said, the kindness thing, we gotta just And you know what's great too in addition to kindness is advocacy. We gotta advocate for one another. We yeah. we have to step up and say some of the things that are happening that are causing people to experience such chronic Trauma, because I think there are two levels. Well, let me tell you about this. There's big T trauma, which would be horrible, awful things that happen to children, to like physical Physical violence, sexual violence, violence, these kinds of horrifying things. That's big T trauma. And then there is small T trauma. And this is my own opinion, I think of. I don't think this is necessarily scientific. But those things are the more uh, shocking things that we've come to normalize mm-hmm. over the uh, over our, the course oh, of right. our years sort of chronic things and for and pe- they could affect people in a big t way absolutely particularly know? if they have experienced really debilitating trauma early in life mm-hmm. or at another point in life and then they experience this other thing like for example not being able to afford to feed their family even though they have a full-time job mm-hmm. Um, and or perhaps they've got uh, a couple of full-time jobs mm-hmm. and they still can't make ends meet because our world, our system, has gotten away from us mm-hmm. and it has been, it has resulted in a situation where people are struggling to get by mm-hmm. in a way that is brutal. Do you feel like your this vision was something you always had in your heart or is something that you learned as your because your mom passed and things like that or do you think this was something innate in you uh the vision to to advocate for one another yeah to be, i don't know, know like this kind of self-awareness that you've oh, got right now well i think that i'm an older person now i'm 46 i love this age yeah i love it i yeah. really do i i'm i'm older in in comparison to myself at a younger age yeah. i don't mean to suggest i'm old now because i i think at this stage um Typically, we see women uh, in our industry are Mm sidelined. There are no mm -hmm. interesting uh, stories for us to be a part of anymore. We're cardboard cutouts, unreasonable facsimiles of this sort of male uh, gaze-driven narrative that that still drives our industry. So when I say I'm older, I don't mean put me out to pasture. I mean, holy shit, I am loving some of the the experiences I'm having Mm -hmm. now. And that that self awareness, I think, tends to come our way with with some of yeah. the age and lived experience. But when we talk about um, this vision of taking care of one another, like when I was a kid and my mom was a single parent, right, right. raising three kids at the time, 
when I was before I, when I was a person in elementary school, she had like two or three jobs at any given time mm-hmm. just to provide for us to the best of her ability. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, there was this huge uh, hurricane in Jamaica, and it really uh, caused a lot of loss of life, mm-hmm. and people lost their homes, and there were a lot of people in need. And my younger sister is Jamaican, Jamaican-Canadian. And so my mom, in and amongst all these jobs that she was doing to try and, you know, pay her way, single parent, three kids, doesn't have any time to even think about two things she could do for herself, Mm -hmm. proceeds to organize this massive donation depot. She goes and finds, talks to someone, I don't know, they loan her this warehouse. She goes on the news and she's like, I mean, she's the Norma Ray of, right. you know, it's not a so unionized thing. But leadership, that kind of inspiration. Yeah, like is I gonna... just, and she never talked about it. I just remember watching as a kid her being interviewed mm-hmm. and she was just talking about why it was important to help these people. And I, years later, would look back and think, how did you, how did you even, I am married with a participating partner Mm -hmm. as a parent and I fall asleep in my chair every day after dinner right like where does she find I don't know how did she find time where did she like that's drive that's passion yes like and that's where I I I saw that necessity yes absolutely necessity when the places where like I have no place for my my family to live there's Mm -hmm. a necessity that's probably going to drive you the same way yeah but did you have like were you have you always been this kind of self-aware is that something that she taught you and you've taken on I think uh I think I learned it from her at a very young age, and then I was like a snot-nosed teenager and a real a-hole for sure. And I had did you rebel? Were you big? Oh, I was just a, I was just a self-absorbed shit. You know, like we we can be in those years. Speak speak for yourself. I'll speak for myself, but I can also speak for you. I'm a multitasker. Um, (laughs) I don't know if it's your truth, but apparently it's not your perfect. Thanks for sharing. (laughs) I actually don't know. I don't think I did much rebellion oh. I just don't think I, it was I didn't think I had time I think you I didn't was, have time you were too busy studying I was no I was not a good student <laughs> but I definitely didn't I was too like I had projects yeah. I had always projects but, oh wow projects um, as a teenager I mean yeah would you play the flute I did actually did play, you the flute. Did play the flute. Did you? I did. I played it briefly in yeah. band in grade 10. I played the flute, but no, I also, 11. I don't know how I got into a track, but um, I remember going to this women in business meeting. Oh, my God. As like a 16-year-old. Oh, God, help me. And I met this woman, and she was like, you're fantastic. Why don't you come and work for the Downtown Business Association? Oh, you're kidding. And I was like, okay. And overnight, she was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I like dancing, and I like fashion. Can I make a fashion show for Downtown? Kitchener Waterloo and she's like yeah she gave wow. me a bunch of money she gave me an office I started skipping school so I could run this business are you shitting yeah, me I'm not kidding you so that kind of made me not have time for why like, aren't you writing this as a show you've um, written you've written the script please no I mean yeah that's a whole other world anyway but going back to like the world of like self-awareness mm-hmm. like when because I think this is this is what I meant. I'm not saying this right, but I'm going to find a way into it. But when I first met you, I thought that you were just a career-minded, that's your laser focus. And then I think we didn't see each other while your mom, when your mom passed away, right. I think that. And so now I see you as this so self-aware, so like open to magic oh, world. Yeah. And was that always your way? Or um, do you think you embraced it more? You afterwards? know, it's interesting. Uh, for a very long period of time, I explored the understanding uh, of atheism 
as my own understanding. Yeah. And I say understanding because, although atheists will say, it's not an understanding, it is the way it is. Um, <laughs> I, and they speak like that. Yes, yeah. mm -hmm. some of them do. And then some of them actually go to spiritual centers because there's room for those feelings too. Yeah. Like if they still believe that when you die, that's it. Yeah. And again, I say smoke them if you got them or whatever floats your boat. I really, right, believe in the mustard. Yeah, believe in the mustard yeah. or don't believe in the mustard and maybe use ketchup instead. I don't know. It's your call. But um, for a while, it didn't bring me any comfort yeah. to think in spiritual terms. It made me, it made me feel awful. Because so then what did? What did give you the strength and what it still does because I'm sure it's something you tap into now because our career has no certainty so the times where you yeah. come across these blocks you go well, I don't know about you but there's there's tons of times where I'm like should I retire yeah I still have them I still yeah. I just I just finished this incredible arc uh on a series and um, hospital show? uh that's a web series which I love okay. but this was uh this is TV, right? Okay. Um, this wonderful opportunity, which I hadn't had in a very long time. And I, and I wrapped that and then I didn't, I hadn't been on set for mm -hmm. like four months and that's just how it goes. Yeah. And so, yeah, there are many times. And four months, some people are listening to this going, give me a break. Yeah. Right? Like four uh, months listen, is nothing. And to those people, I say, get off my case. I've also okay, not booked a job. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. But I want to tell how bad it was. I got to say how bad okay, it was to those people who want to keep right, me in All right. But the, it's just the, the I, yeah, I once went through a four-year right. dry spell. But isn't this the optics? Like, we look at the Enid Ray online, and you're like, oh, my God, Enid Ray, she's always you know, working. You know what I want to say to that? I, and I, I try and do this. It's easier to do it on Facebook because you have more space to write. Mm -hmm. But I will often say social media is a game of smoke and mirrors. Yeah. And I am now promoting work that I've done a year ago or whatever, and I'm very proud of it and, and thrilled with it. But the reality is, you don't know when your next job is going to come along, and 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 what life might look like on social media is is a big fat stinking pile of horseshit. Right. Because it's only just a sliver of what the bigger picture is, but we we either don't feel comfortable sharing the bigger picture or if we do it's it, you know it's really just even that sharing is a sliver of what really is going on yeah. so i mean getting back to your question about when did i rediscover a sense of faith i'm still discovering it mm -hmm. and i think what for a, because for a long time i was like you know what i fuck faith i can't stand faith i, I don't believe in any of this shit yeah. i hate it it makes me feel terrible so i took a break and i just i lived my life through the lens looking through the lens of an atheist which is to say right now is all we have mm -hmm. okay mm -hmm. so you can still be good to people and to yourself and then not feel beholden to some sort of afterlife you know golden mm -hmm. light at the end of the tunnel um and and what's interesting to me is that that also feels like a big part of the spiritual life i have right now which mm. is be present mm -hmm. you you know who cares what what comes next if you get so stuck in what what you're worried about happening in the future or immersed in thoughts of whatever happened in the past um it really is just it, all it does is suck life out of the present moment right but how do you put that into practice um well it's not easy, <laughs> especially when you're yeah. when you've got a family, yeah. when you've got bills to pay, when you when you're be in the moment. Yeah, well, how can I be in the moment when I'm thinking there's a bill coming my way that I'm not ready for? Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, what's your what are your what like, I do tools? Is, well, and the other piece of this that I do need to talk about is I I want to acknowledge 
uh, for anybody listening who might also have a similar experience, I have a really intense anxiety. Yeah. So that is a mental illness that uh, has... How does that manifest? In... Uh, like breathing or it, like... It, it, it's manifested in a few different ways. So stomach in knots so tight I can't stand upright. Um, my, the, my diaphragm, like I can't catch my breath. It feels like a tight band, uh, migraines, all of this kind of thing. Uh, one time I had a panic attack so severe. I had to go to the hospital maybe to rule out heart attack. Um, and, uh, it like, these things are actually pretty common. And so, so when you're experiencing those symptoms, it is even more difficult to be in the moment. Yeah then you have to treat the symptoms of an illness. Yeah. And so there are a few different ways of looking at this. And I think the, the best way to, to deal with it is if you are in a spiral or if you're, so if, there's two different things going on. You can be experiencing symptoms of, an, of whether it's depression or anxiety and, and they can send you into a spiral. Mm-hmm. The other thing is you're just feeling frustrated about the past or the future and you can't really stay present in the moment. So for the first thing, I found for me what works is finding a way to interrupt the spiral, yeah. the symptoms. Yeah, great. And so what I do is i big fan of counseling. Yep. I uh, reach out to people to have conversations. I, I think, uh, you know, I think I know medication works well for some people. Mm-hmm. I think interrupt the shit out of that yeah. without judging how you do it. Like if you, and also like if you can. Right? Because sometimes the spiral happens so fast that you're oh, like, yeah. oh man, I'm in it. You're in it and you're on a train, you didn't even know you were you didn't even know you got on the on the track to yeah. get or on the state you know you you didn't even know you got up to that fucking door yeah. to help yourself into the train and then suddenly you are all the way down into North Dakota. Yeah. How did you get from Vancouver to North Dakota? I don't know. I know. It's, it but, ha- if you but that's how it fast up. it happens. So the other thing about being present in the yeah. moment. Uh Though it's easier for me to do that when I'm not experiencing anxiety. Sure. Then I have to treat the symptoms of the anxiety if that's in fact yes. what's happening. But if you but, don't have the tools yeah. already in place, then it's not like you can quickly learn the tools to deal with the anxiety. You have to have the tools when you're not anxious. Yeah, and the problem with all of that is that people up until recently haven't been talking about that stuff. Right. So people are experiencing anxiety and they don't even know. Yeah. I didn't even know I had anxiety until I was talking to someone a few years ago who described her exact symptoms, which were the same as mine. Yeah. And she had been diagnosed. And if I hadn't had that conversation, I would have just gone through life thinking I'm easily stressed and tightly wound. Yeah. But that's not, that's not yeah. what anxiety but is. That's like the joy of storytelling yeah and and just sharing these episodes of our life to be like okay good i'm not alone yeah, yeah like it's yeah. almost like yeah, yeah when yeah. i find a lump on my shoulder i'm like oh the lump on my shoulder I'm and then dead. you find uh, yeah. another lump and on your like, other shoulder oh, okay. and you're like oh, I'm fine. okay yeah. <laughs> two lumps yeah, they're good. not alone yeah. and then when things are going well and you're just feeling like having a tough time being in the moment i visualize yeah and i have a dog yeah. who's the best thing in the history of the world. Yeah. And I take him for walks. What's your visualization? What do you do when you visualize? Um, I visualize my living space. I visualize how I feel in it. I visualize, uh, I do, and it's brief. So I do it for about four minutes or mm. so. And I just visualize the kind of life that I want to live. Mm-hmm. And then I feel a little bit grateful. I try and feel grateful for that. And because I, I can be really pissed off. I can really get frustrated by things. And, and if I don't, actively pull my thoughts back to a place of appreciating mm-hmm. my badass self mm-hmm. and this life that I have, regardless of whether or not it is what I envisioned in my 20s, mm-hmm. 
My life's pretty fucking great. Is is you know? it different from what you envisioned? Oh, absolutely. What did it's you not, envision? I envisioned having my own show. I envisioned um, owning my own home. I envisioned uh, all the things that we as actors envision, you know, in terms of what we think success is. Yeah. And then I had to redefine success in order to be happy with what I have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's not an easy journey easy. either to let go of some things. Yeah. It does come with age. Otherwise, we do... Otherwise, we will lose our shit yeah. on a daily basis. Like, what are you going to do? Go through life begrudging who you are? No, but here's here's the thing that I wrestle with. It's the value, being valued. Oh, this okay. is the wrong industry for us. But for aren't that, you in that world too? Like, when you kind of go, I put my time in in Vancouver. Dude, yes, 1,000%. Yeah. That is the one thing that will trip me up whenever I get tripped up. It is because I feel devalued in an industry that doesn't give a fuck about any of the people in it, in an industry that values certain people over others based on their department, based on their resume, based on their gender, their appearance. It's like a big junior high school, yeah. what we work in. And and honest to God, if, I, uh, if I'm having a shit day, it's usually because I was feeling devalued yeah. in some form. And, and that's so how do you, one. how do you, I, I'm going to raise my voice. Yes, because there's guys, a big crowd. Um, and I can't deal. I can't do yeah. anything about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I got to yeah, just yeah. roll with it. Um, we could throw a bike into that crowd. I could throw a bike into the crowd. That would not work. But how do you then, so my therapist would say, how do you value yourself enough not to need it from somebody else? Oh, that's a whole other Isn't that a whole other podcast? It is because that's, um, I don't have any answer for that because I still try and do that for myself. Yeah. Um, what I try and tell myself is if I have, if I've assumed that someone has devalued me, um, I've really probably concocted an entire scenario that they have given thought to and and invested energy in uh, in order to devalue me. And you want to know something? At the end of the day, they probably didn't even have any idea yeah. that they even saw me that day. And then they were just walking along and over here and they got to go get their kid from jujitsu. Right. And I'm like, you don't want to work with me. You don't want to pay me. <laughs> you know, like all the shit that goes through your head. But we're so good at that kind yes. of talk. Why don't we just get good at the other talk too of like. That, ooh, that's the key. That's the, that's a whole skill set. Getting good at the other talk. It's a muscle. It's a muscle. That muscle it's, on me is what you flabby, and I want to strengthen it. <laughs> but it's what you said about, like, if you can find yourself going down the wrong path, <laughs> throw a bike in there yeah, and yeah, yeah. Take, take the other path. So you when know, you find yourself in the spiral of, like, they don't want to work with me, <laughs> they don't want to me, then go, no, it's not about, like, I. Ha- it's training. Like, some people are like, oh, Naomi, you're so positive. Like, it's training, it is training. to be positive so that it's... It's, a, it's not a flabby muscle. Yeah, and you want to know something? I I remember years ago that you talked in those terms. I, I can't remember the specific words I you like said. I just learned it last week. But you you had talked about money years ago when we first knew each other. And you talked about it in terms of not seeing yourself as a starving artist. I always remember that. You you had this wow. conversation um, 
And maybe it was maybe you were trying to train a muscle then. I don't know, but it really stayed with me. I remember a few conversations over the course of my life that I've had that that were women, and I was talking with women mm -hmm. colleagues mm -hmm. at different stages in my life, and they left a mark on me because they talked about monetizing your work, treating this like a business. That's so funny. And not and in your case, when you were talking to me. Uh, just not seeing yourself as a starving artist. Of course you work, you have the ability to earn money, and why wouldn't you want to, uh, you know, buy property or create this for yourself or do whatever? So that, those those kinds of conversations stayed with me. So I think that's how we sort of inter... I, I think that's a good way of throwing a bike at someone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That you don't even realize you're throwing a bike at their way. Right. But you're planting a seed, yeah. And maybe they can ride their bike on that path of that seat. That, I'm gonna kiss uh, you on the lips. This is how it we happens. We should do it. We should do it. What's the thing for you now? What's your passion? What's your What's your drive now? You got well, these two great kids. I've got these kids. I love my community. That's a new thing. Yeah. Back when I was a couple of years ago, thinking I'm gonna retire, I, I really meant it, and I started looking for other things to do with my work. And a friend of mine, Ellie Harvey, who yeah. is a very funny woman, God help me. One of the people that changed my life as well. Right. Because she believed in me. She is a whole other podcast on her uh -huh. own, that woman. Uh-huh. She, she was a director on our union's executive board. Oh, okay. Right? And she, this was after Donald Trump was elected. And she said, we're having elections. Are you going to run for the board? And I said, fuck no, I'm not running for the board. No way, no how. And she said, uh, you know what? With Hillary Clinton losing, it is incumbent upon all women, good women everywhere, to step up and be of service. And I was like, oh, for God's sake. Yeah, if you put it like that, I will. <laughs> so I ran, and as I was running, it became clear to me that I wanted to uh, create a committee in our union to uh, a mental health and addiction committee. Yeah. And our union was already, members of our uh, staff in our union was already working with the other unions in order to participate in a larger mental health and addiction initiative. Mm -hmm. So I ran and I was elected and I started working in that larger multi-union initiative, uh, calltimementalhealth.com. And at the same time, I became the chair of our union's mental health and addiction committee. Wow. And... Because so many people have helped me over the years by talking about their experiences, it has really informed uh, my next steps. Of course I want to be an actor, and I want to write and produce. I want to do all those things. I love doing that. And also being of service mm -hmm. is a great way to help me pull my head out of my own ass. 100%. Because this business is a shit, it's a shit storm. Mm -hmm. And it will suck you in. Unless you can find something meaningful to do with your time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, for me, that is uh, being an advocate for other actors in my town, in my community. And it's given me an opportunity to meet them, to help. Uh, you know, I was part of a committee that went down to L.A. and negotiated our latest master agreement. Like, all of these things I've never had an opportunity to do before that I'm now doing uh, in terms of helping others mm -hmm. is, is a great way to... You know what it is? It's the antidote to jealousy. I used to be so envious of successful actors and people before. Yeah. And now I just feel so much appreciation that I get to be among them. Mm. You know, sometimes I get to be really successful. Sometimes they get to be really successful. But a win for one person is a win for the team. Yeah. That really helps me get my head on straight. Yeah. It really does. And, and just talking with people who have these great ideas... And I'm in a position on the board to help, you know, with a project to, as part of our mental health and addiction work that we do, to 
help others, put together resources, like all of these things. Yeah. People start coming together out of the woodwork when they were maybe isolated before, yeah. and they're more a community. And that's in addition to hopefully doing some incredibly meaningful roles, writing, all of these things. I think moving forward is about connecting with my humans, connecting mm. with my peeps, and uh, being inspired and moved by them and advocating on their behalf in return. I love that. I also love that you're starting to spin that plate because it's. All, I always think it's like, you know, like your acting job is like your boyfriend when you like, oh my God, we're having such a good time. But then when you have like rocky roads, then you're like, hey, other friends that I've forgotten about. Yes, so that like, is perfection how you just said that. Because I think that we we often rely on other people to create our happiness. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so if you're waiting, then you're going to get yeah. grabbed, Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So can you see um, this kind of becoming more and more of your life, this kind of uh, union work? I think it, it's a lot of work. Yeah, it it's is. It's a lot of work. So it's all it's still important there to find balance. So I How does that go for you? Uh, it's challenging. Yeah. It's challenging. But it's a good challenge to have. And I think uh, I think I'd like to run for another term. Um, but I really do feel like uh, there are some interesting things that are going to unfold. I have no idea what they are. I don't even know if they're in this business. I hope they are. In right. film and television, Could I you, hope they are. But. Yeah, I mean, would you ever consider giving up acting? Like, you're one of the most I interesting mean, people to watch on stage and on that's camera. That's very kind. I mean, did you see how I didn't say? Did you see how I didn't say? Again, but again, you got. <laughs> <laughs> I was my own. Yeah, yeah. Did see you see how, much how humble I am? Do you see how humble I am from five minutes ago? <laughs> I do. I loved. I was. I loved watching you on stage. I really do. And I remember like being in like at the Vancouver Theater Sports and being like, "How does her brain work like that?" Because you're so confident. Oh my god, you were, and I think you still I are. It well. No, I swear to God, I yeah. felt like the biggest shit heel. Isn't in, that funny? Yeah, I did not feel confident. I bet. I bet nine point nine percent of people, if I ask them about Enid Ray, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, she's got confidence." Oh, tell them I'm needy and thirsty inside. I'm thirsty. Yeah. Thirsty. Such a millennial. I love that so word, thirst. So where are you going? What's the next? Um... The truth is I don't know. That's okay. Yeah, I really have no idea, but I hope it's something that will continue to push me uh, so that I, you know, grow beyond where I'm comfortable. Right well, maybe now. I shouldn't ask where you're going, but like, what's the thing, as we seek the balance, yeah. what's the thing that you need more or less of? Ooh, that's a great question. You know, That's a like, great question. What do I need more or less? You know what? I bet if I asked myself that question on a regular basis, I'd be able to decipher the best path to balance. Because when you're juggling a whole bunch of balls, it's tough to find balance. And you're not really thinking, yeah, do yeah, I yeah. need more or less of any yeah, of this? Yeah, yeah. But like you're, as a mom, I think there's a level of just like yeah. get through the day and make sure everybody's fed and looked after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then like, you know, some I can feel it in my body too, like, you know, being at this festival, I'm so unbalanced. I need yeah. to go home and like regroup. Yeah. I need to like yeah. get back to my, my people and hang out with my friends. And You know what I need more of? I need to do some theater and I need to do, uh, I need to do some more creative work with creative people. Yeah. You know, I, I really, uh, this web series that's out right now, well, there are two. One is Life XP that was written and created by an incredible young woman, Cassandra Ebner, okay. um, and her husband, Trevor, directed. They, they are remarkable stunt okay, performers. Great. These yeah. people, like the stunt community, the Life XP is largely a web series that is created uh, with the participation of Vancouver's 
brilliant stunt performer community. Please go watch okay. it. It's really okay. incredible. Um, and, and the, the, the opening scene of that oh. is like, it, it's, it's like low, 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 low budget low, okay? Yeah. And it looks like a million bucks on camera. Amazing. It's, it, I just couldn't, I, it's the coolest thing I've ever been okay, in, well, I swear to God. What, is it like dot com? Life, life XP. You can look com, it up. YouTube uh, maybe? YouTube, yeah. Okay. So it's YouTube. Okay. Um, and then uh, Hospital Show. Yeah. Which is the creation of Adam G. Reed. Again, another actor, director, writer. I know him writer. from Toronto. Oh, he's amazing. I think I might have worked with him at Ryerson. Yeah, yeah. He's, so he, he had this idea and, and for many years and then he just worked his ass off yeah. and then he got this camera and I'm thrilled with it. It's so funny and there's such a great group of people in it and that's also on, on YouTube. Yeah. And so these are individual colleagues really just taking the, the reins yeah. and, and driving forward, creating their own content. And I really would like to see, uh, I'd like to see more people do that to the best of their ability. Yeah. And I'd like our industry to support it because the work is fantastic and it yeah. resonates with audiences. And so if we can find a way to support that so that more audiences can see them, mm -hmm. I'd love to see that. And I'd love to be a part of that kind of creative work and moving forward. Like, could you see writing for that kind of show? Would you oh, or writing your own write thing? Or? I, I mean, I've never written for television, mm -hmm. but I do need to write something. I think everybody needs to write something. Everybody. You know, regardless but, of but what But let's they just say writing like in quotations because writing something, writing's hard. It's fucking hard. And it might be like, my favorite way to write is like you and I improvising a scene. Yeah. I'm going to record it and transcribe yeah, 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 it. Yeah, 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 I've yeah. written something. That's oh, still shit, writing. That's great. Yeah. But like somebody else needs to lock themselves away in yeah. a cabin for. Four I weeks. don't lock myself away. I, I wrote and produced a, a PSA called We Can Help. Yeah. As yeah, part yeah. of the Call Time Mental Health yeah. Initiative. And when I was writing that, I mean, it started off as this tiny little teeny tiny one minute thing. But then it became this huge love letter to the community. And, and in the course of writing that, uh, I could think of nothing else. Yeah. Like I was so, when I'm locked into something I'm writing, whether it's really essay form or something of that nature, it, I can't, I can't think of any other thing. Yeah, you get And obsessed. so, yeah, mm -hmm. I don't know how to write when I'm not in that space. Right. That's Fine. a challenge. I don't know what to do, but I'd love to write more. I'd love to, um, I'd love to do more, I'd love to do work that scares the shit out of me. Did you see that Phoebe Waller-Bridge? Oh my God, you're, you just quoted Phoebe Waller-Bridge without oh, even knowing it. Oh, I didn't know that. No, I've seen Fleabag. I've seen No, Fleabag. but she did a clip. She's like, write what scares you. Oh, I had no idea. Oh, yeah. You're channeling. Okay. God, I love that woman. So if, because one of the things with Firecracker Department, we're always talking about what you're working on. How can we help? Yeah, yeah. So how can my community with Firecracker Department help you with your pursuit of your next thing or with the things you're working on well honestly i would love to see a huge audience for a hospital show okay and life xp because uh it was a thrill to be a part of those things and i know that um i know both uh of the parties that produced it both adam for hospital show and cassandra for mm -hmm. life xp did it as a pilot of sorts right. to make longer form content yeah. and they need the support and I'm involved in both of those projects and anything anyone can do to get eyeballs on these projects on YouTube, hospital show, mm -hmm. life XP. That's really, that would be a great gift for me right now. Um, I really could talk to you forever and I'm going to turn this off and then I'm going to talk to you for another 45 minutes, I'm sure. Um, but what's the thing we always end with, what's the thing you would have, uh, advice you would have given your younger self? Oh God, don't be an asshole when you feel triggered. Like don't, 
don't lash out at anybody. Like have patience with people. Yeah. And especially have patience with yourself. I really like that. But isn't that like whenever I talk to these these uh, I guess a little bits of advice, I'm always like that's something that I would still tell my friend myself now. I have to tell myself that. Here's the other big thing I will tell myself then and continue to tell myself now. It's not going to work out exactly as you pictured it in your mind, but it could be even better if you will just let go of the need to arrange every detail. Arrange the details in your writing, because that's what crafting writing is. Arrange details in your performance, but then even there, you've got to step out of your way to let some magic through. And when you've created this vision for yourself or a goal in your life, look at the bigger picture and then let go of the need to decide how everything is going to unfold. Because it will drive you nuts and you'll lose the magic. You'll mm -hmm. miss out on the magic. There's got to be magic mm -hmm. in there. Otherwise, what the fuck are we doing? Mm -hmm. I love you. I'm so happy to have time with you. Me too. Thank you for having I me. I wish we were living in the same city again. Yeah, she's just so, I mean, I remember meeting Ina Ray at Vancouver Theatre Sports and thinking, she's electric. She's like sassy and fun and ballsy and I want to be around that and uh, nothing's changed. I just love uh, listening to her stories. I love hearing her, her point of view. I love hearing what projects she's involved in. Uh, yeah, I'm a fan. You can follow Enid Ray on social media at Enid R-A-Y-E Adams. You can also follow her shows at You, Me, Her or Hospital Show at Hospital Show, go figure, and at LifeXP underscore series. Hospital Show is available anytime on YouTube, so go check that out. You can also stream You, Me, Her on Netflix and Crave. I have to tell you, Firecrackers Gail Harvey and Gabrielle Rose are also part of that amazing show, so watch it and then give us some like firecracker love. Tell us what you thought about seeing those firecrackers involved in that project. Gail has directed and then Gabriel's guest starred and now we've got a triple threat with the Enid Ray Adams rounding up the bunch. Okay, before you now fall into a huge Netflix binge, head over to whatever app you're listening on and give us a quick review. Yeah, just a couple of emojis or maybe a heartfelt note. We'd love it. And we appreciate every single bit of feedback that we get. Thank you so much for the folks that are tweeting and leaving comments in our Instagram. Uh, we reply to every single one of them and um, it really makes our day to know that we are reaching you. So thanks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for putting us in your ear holes. I'm Naomi Sneekus and we'll see you next time. Winnie Wong is our Firecracker head producer. Follow her at wonder underscore Wong on Instagram and wonder underscore Wong 8 on Twitter. Sydney Nielsen is our co-producer and head editor. You can follow them at Sydney underscore Nielsen. Sydney, like Australia. Nielsen, like milk. You can follow me on social media at my last name, at Sneekus, S-N-I-E-C-K-U-S. The rest of the team comes at you from Toronto, Los Angeles, Austin, London, Dubai, and truly from all over the world. And we are so excited and feel so lucky to have two amazing, incredible firecracker interns for the winter of 2021. Fran Caviello and Saba Dolati. And I have to say, these are firecracker humans to their core, and we're so lucky to have them with us. Get into the full Firecracker Department core team at firecrackerdepartment.com slash about, because we're always updating and we're always growing. Stay tuned to our newsletter for advanced updates on our monthly meditations, upcoming mentorship workshops, live script department readings, festival partnerships, weekly writing workouts, and dates for 2021, and so much more. There's lots going on in Firecracker Department. 
Don't forget, we also have a weekly brunch on Zoom every Sunday and our live firecracker follow-ups return this month. So stay tuned to our socials for who and when. Now, whether you're a first time or a long time listener to the firecracker department, we always, always want to hear from you. We love hearing what quotes, the specifics, the nuances of things that stuck with you from each of the episode. We mean it. We really do. And we respond to every single thing that comes our way. If it gives your brain goosebumps or it piques your curiosity or makes you want to stop and write something down, send it back to us or our firecracker guest or both. I mean, everybody likes to know that when they put something out into the world, that it resonates. And if it sparks something in you, use that creativity to take some creative action. Let us know. Share it because it just reverberates, you know? If you see somebody being creative, that might spark somebody else's creativity. So pay it forward. Thanks also to Jeff Malutinovic and Igor Korea for our theme music. And thanks to you. Yeah, you, sitting there, driving there, walking there, working out there, and taking time to listen. We know there's a lot of options out there and we really appreciate you choosing us. We hope to see you at the Firecracker online community, maybe brunch, maybe the writing workshop. Come on and share some time with us. And until next time, thank you for listening to the Firecracker Department. We'll see you next time.